Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. The roller coaster ride continues for the Montana Lady Grizz. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. What could and likely is the final makeup game of the season for Montana, UM played Idaho for the second time in four games on Monday in Moscow. Thursday, UM beat UI 76-73 in a game that included 21 lead changes and 14 ties. Monday, the Lady Grizz built its lead to as many as 14 points late in the third quarter, only to let it slip away. Idaho rallied all the way back, led by Beyonce B's 24-point outburst to post a 70-69 win over Montana, fight 20 points from Carmen G. Feller, 16 points from Abby Anderson, 14 points from Sophia Stiles. The month of February has been tumultuous for Montana. Stiles hit a buzzer beater to beat Weber State a few weeks ago, starting a wild stretch that also included a loss to defending Big Sky champion Idaho State at home, beating upstart Southern Utah in Cedar City in a Monday makeup game, losing on another buzzer beater at Northern Arizona, losing to rebuilding Eastern Washington in another Monday makeup Makeup game, beating Idaho and Portland State over the weekend, and falling on the third straight Monday to the Vandals. UM now sits at nine and seven in league play, while Idaho is seven and eight. The Montana State women started their four-game road trip to end the regular season in Portland Monday. Bobcats moved to thirteen and four and into a tie for first place. Idaho State with an 82-57 win over Portland State. The Vikings are zero and fifteen in Big Sky play. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory.
Well, hello there. What's going on? Welcome back. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Coulter Nuanas coming to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? We talked some men's basketball in the Big Sky Conference. Heard from Montana State head men's basketball coach Danny Sprinkle. We talked some women's hoops. Heard from Grizz Senior, Sophia Styles, our Grizz Star of the Week. Also had a good interview with the gents from Up on the Mountain. A documentary that debuts at the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival tomorrow night, 8 p.m. at the Wilma. We also had our Treasure State Stars for the week. Highlighting some of the best performances from around the state of Montana over the past week. You can find all of that on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as The Advocates. Andrew was not here last Tuesday, so we're doing a little uh, NBA extravaganza part two. Austin Tutel is here, kicking it with me last week. And so I'm going to ask you some of the similar questions that he was asking me, or that we were talking about last week, Andrew, but I'm going to start with a different question. The Phoenix Suns went to the NBA Finals for the first time since, I believe, 1991, certainly the first time in your lifetime that that's happened. And they are now back with not only the best record in the league, but a historically good record. If you win 50 of your first 60 games, you are on a really good pace. And Phoenix right now is closing in on that. They've they're forty eight and ten. They're a full six and a half games better than the Warriors for the number one seed, and they have a full ten wins more than anyone in the East. So my question for you is: Are the Suns overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Because to me, I feel like they're not getting nearly as much love as they should. I think they're underrated. I think not only are they uh, a contender, Coulter, I think you can make a really good argument for why they're the contender in the league right now. Why do you think it is that they are underrated? Because their best player is Devin Booker and Chris Paul, you know? Well, so, But why do people not buy into that? That's what the NBA is. Why wouldn't you want those guys? Well, of course, right? I mean, they're great players, but they're sort of... So I guess I guess the real question is, because I totally agree with what you're, what you're getting at here, I don't understand why Devin Booker isn't in the same conversation as some of the other guys that are much bigger superstars than him. I would much rather have Devin Booker than James Harden. Really? No, like, I don't even think it's close. Eight days a week. James Harden can't win. Devin Booker's already won more in his career than James Harden has will ever win in his career. No doubt. I think there are just a couple things that are specific to those guys um, that are sort of holding the narrative on them down a little bit. Like, Devin Booker is sort of... I like that you compared him to James Harden because he's sort of in that James Harden class of, like, guys who can score and have questions about the other part of their game. Sure. He's not an all-around, you know wing game changer like Giannis or like LeBron or like even like a guy like Kawhi Leonard a couple years ago. So I think uh, the perception of him suffers a little bit because of that. And as far as Chris Paul goes, I mean, people have seen him 
lose it in big spots too many times before. Yeah. And whether that's fair or not, it it colors people's thinking. Chris Paul, first of all, I think that the the narrative of how poor the Clippers training staff was and how much that contributed to this omnipresence of injury-prone players while Chris Paul was there, I think that's a real narrative and an undertold one. I also think, though, that that team just didn't have the, the mental makeup to handle playing in a giant market like L.A. But Chris Paul... That's on Chris Paul, though, right? He's oh, the totally, point guard. Totally, but Chris Paul has drug teams that have never had any tradition or history farther than they've ever been before. And uh, I, I guess... I don't want to go down my, my, my rabbit hole of what I always say, but... The, the the domination and the never losing uh, in the biggest moments that Michael Jordan was able to etch in his legend is some most people would say is the best thing that ever happened in the NBA. I would say it's the worst thing that ever happened in the NBA because it completely skews our version of greatness. And so then, therefore, we start to think of guys like Chris Paul and Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, who are all three probably top 40 players in NBA history, but we completely underrate them because they didn't win six championships like Michael Jordan. I got a newsflash for everybody. Half the teams in the NBA have never won a championship. Most of the championship banners are hanging in Boston, L.A., or Chicago. And San Antonio's got five of them, and the Warriors got five of them. And go ahead and name me anybody else that has even a couple. That's it. I mean, is there a team in the league that's ever just won one title? I guess the Blazers and the Sonics back right after the ABA-NBA merger. But, like, most teams aren't even in the conversation, so I think it's sort of an unfair rap. But more than anything, though, in the here and now, the Suns played in the finals last year, and they have the best rigor in the league this year, and it seems like they have the best roster construction of any team in the NBA besides the Golden State Warriors. So I guess I just don't understand why they are underrated. Well, and they might have the best coach, and the thing about them, Coulter, this year is they are winning those close games. I mean, that's been the most shocking thing about this team. They don't lose close games, man. It's been after seeing them lose to Milwaukee in the finals uh, last year in sort of a couple games that swung with a couple plays here and there, they are finding ways to make those plays that year, whether that's a function of just having been there and done that or it's a function of, you know, everybody on the roster just leveling up a little bit because they did. They, they brought everybody back. They found themselves in the finals, I think, and we've talked about this probably a year or two ahead of schedule, a lot of people would have said. But then they brought everybody back. They they trusted it, and they, they lost sort of a gut-wrenching, losing four straight to lose the finals. But they, they stayed the course, and they brought everybody back. And that little bit of continuity, if that's what it is, I mean, they're, they're winning those games this year. The other thing that sort of drives me crazy about the, the NBA news machine is that once we pick a story and tell a story, then we don't want to tell that story anymore. we got to find a new story, which is... Seems silly, especially if the same story is still a prominent one. You know, we've we've seen this with the MVP voting for the last handful of years. We need a new guy. We need a new and we need to anoint a new guy. About this time of year, usually about sixty games in the regular season. Who's going to be the guy? Who's in the MVP conversation? Oh, that guy's won MVPs. He can't be in there. It's kind of the same thing right now with the Milwaukee Bucks, and I guess the Suns are sort of suffering from the same deal, but. The Bucs won the title last year. Giannis Antetokounmpo maybe doesn't project himself like 
the best player in the NBA and or he doesn't self-glorify himself like so many other of his superstar peers in the NBA. Yet, I can't believe that anybody would bet against the Bucks, given their roster makeup and the fact that when it comes down to it, I'm not going to bet against Giannis Antetokounmpo until proven otherwise. So I also think it's sort of interesting that the Bucks are sitting there, and uh, I mean, I know, I know they're fifth in the East, but they're it's kind of like a three-way tie right now. And they're only two and a half games back from Miami for the number one spot. Why aren't people talking more about the Bucks? Are they just tired of it? Yeah, and they should be, Coulter. They should be talking about it because you know what's happening now, man. Giannis is starting to hit jump shots. That exactly. should be the biggest story in the league because everybody's been saying it for years, man. If that happens, well, this is over. Right. And he's starting to do it now. He's showing off like the the Dirk or, or LeBron or even like the Michael Jordan fade away from the post. That's all he's got to do, man. He doesn't have to hit 40% of his threes. If he's hitting mid-range and he can get to his mid-range yeah. on the fadeaway or on the pull-up, it's over. Yeah, it's true. And the other thing is that we can talk until we're blue in the face about all these regular season games, but the NBA is so much, I mean, it's obviously so much about the postseason, but it comes down to what level can you rise to and sustain during the postseason. So you you can make arguments with me or with anybody of who the best player in the NBA is, and I, I think LeBron James still has at least uh, a little bit of a, of a a little bit of validity to be in that conversation. Kevin Durant certainly is in that conversation. Stephen Curry is absolutely in that conversation with Giannis and Luka Doncic, all that. But when it comes to the playoffs, who can take their game to the highest level and sustain it at the highest level? That was LeBron for so long. I don't know if he has that in him yet, but I'm not uh, still, I guess I should say, but I'm not willing to bet against the King yet. But I do think that Giannis can take his game to a higher level at a more sustainable high level than anybody else in the league. So that's why I think that regardless of where they finish, how they finish, any of that stuff, if it's Giannis versus the field in the playoffs, I'm taking Giannis at this exact moment in his career. Well, but that answers your question of why nobody's talking about them, right? Because I think a lot of people think that same way after, especially after what he showed last year in the playoffs. They know he's going to be there at the end of the season. They know the Bucks are going to be there at the end of the season. So there's not really much to say about them right now. I mean, that everybody, they have the benefit of the doubt now, Coulter, because of what they did in the playoffs last year. After after failing in the playoffs a couple times during Giannis's MVP seasons, but after what they did last year, they have the benefit of the doubt now that they're going to be able to flip the switch, which is rare for that. I mean, we saw people talking about the Warriors being able to do that or LeBron being able to do that all the time in the playoffs, but until you've proven that you can, you're not going to get that benefit of the doubt. But they have that now, and that's why, I mean, there's no point in talking about them in the regular season. They're going to be there when it matters. Nuance now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television, talking NBA here with my guy in the back, Andrew Houghton, our producer here at ESPN. All right, I got an open-air question for you. Who's the biggest surprise in the NBA to you? It doesn't have to necessarily be a, su- a surprise success. Just who's the biggest surprise? Who is different than you thought that they were going to be? What, a player? Uh, no, as a team. As a, Excuse me, as a team. Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. But you could, I guess the optimistic followers would say that you you would hope that Ja Morant would make a jump like he did. 
Well, look, man, I know he can. I know he can jump out of the building, but I don't think anybody saw a jump in his level <laughs> sure. this much. I mean, I think we we saw we thought this could have been a ceiling. Nobody would have projected that he would be there. You know, two three years into his NBA career, is he? Is John Morant the most untradeable asset in the league? No. Is Luka Doncic the most untraded asset in the league? Probably Giannis is still the most untradeable. Yeah, I mean, Giannis is still only, like, what, 26? I think he's just turned 27, yeah. Yeah, I would still say Well, Giannis. how old is Luka Doncic? Like, 12? <laughs> <laughs> Luka has been in the league for, like, half a dozen years already, and he's still 22 is Luka Doncic. So he's been in the, yes, his fifth season in the NBA, and he's 22 years old, so... Um, that's a good one. Trey Young's got to be up there too, uh, just in terms of guys, especially with their fits for their specific franchises too. Because I just think that he's such a good fit in Atlanta too. Definitely. I mean, he's got that team. I mean, we saw this in the playoffs last year. They're just not scared of anybody, and it's because he's not scared of anybody. Uh, I guess if we're talking about that list, man, how about a couple guys from this rookie class? Tell me more about the rookies because I've been just now getting in the NBA. Who? Cade uh, Cunningham. Who I got one. to I got to watch last year against Oregon State in the second round of the NCAA tournament, and was incredibly impressed with his pace and his discipline. But he's even taking it up a notch. He was the MVP of the of the uh, rookie All Star game, right? I didn't watch it. I have no idea. But he, saw, he's, the, saw he's the real deal for sure. And yeah. the, the Pistons are still horrible. So with him, you're just looking for. Uh, man, they're like flat. beyond horrible, right? Don't they have the worst record in the league? Magic or a game worse, but oh, yeah, man. they're right there. Okay. Um, he's the real deal, though, and that's what you're looking for when it's a rookie on a bad team. It's just like, can they handle themselves? Can they deal with the speed of the game? Are they getting better as the season goes on, as they pick stuff up? But yeah, I remember talking about this draft was one of the first things that we did when I came back here, one of the first right. episodes I was on Nuanez now. What about Evan Mobley, man? I know you and I were talking about this when we were making dinner the other week. Um, I, I'll eat it. I'll eat it on this one. I, I was wrong about Evan Mobley. I, I was fully wrong. I, I watched him against the Grizz in the first game of the season last year when Montana played at USC, and then I watched him again when they played Kansas in the NCAA tournament. That was actually the very last of the fourteen games that Riley Corcoran and I were able to go to, and. Uh, I, I thought that he was just sort of oh, a, I thought he was just drifting. I, I, I didn't I didn't like his motor. I, I didn't think he was that tough. I also I guess I didn't realize how skilled he was. That's the one of the craziest parts about the NBA, and I think it's such a such an analysis of of men's college basketball right now, where guys like Cade Cunningham, who who definitely was provided a green light at Oklahoma State, no doubt, but gets better and more appealing to watch when they get to the NBA because the style is so much more fluid. seems like that's very much like Evan Mobley, too. He was, like, too structured at USC. Now he can be this rim-running, high-post, like, passing guy. He He's a lot more diverse offensively than I thought he was, I guess, uh, in the times I watched him live. Yeah, I mean, that was there, that was sort of the knock on him coming out of, of college was whether he would be able to, to score enough. I mean, everybody saw that he had the pieces in place. I mean... People were talking about that he was a good passer, and people were talking about that he had the potential to be the anchor of a really good NBA defense. That's been the shocking thing, though. You see a lot of rookies be able to come into the league. They can score. They can get theirs. They can they can function on offense. It's very, very, very rare 
for a rookie to be able to be above water on defense in their first year. And Mobley is not only that, he's the anchor of this Cleveland Cavaliers team that, I mean, if we're talking about biggest surprises in the league, they're right up there, and they're doing it a lot of the time with defense. ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television, you're listening to Nuanez now. And it is a testament to his impact. I mean, for a moment in time, I mean, last week when we were doing this segment, the Cleveland Cavaliers had the second-best record in the East. They're two and a half games out of the top spot right now in sort of a three-way tie with uh, the 76ers and the Bucks um, at 35 and 23, roughly. I guess the Bucks are 36 and 24. But I'm looking at it right now, Coulter, and I, did, I knew they were good. I didn't know that this was true. Best defense in the league in terms of points per game allowed. <laughs> Did you see the ridiculous argument? I mean, so many things on Twitter are ridiculous, but the ridiculous argument over Jarrett Allen's outfit. Like at the All-Star game, no. Jarrett, Jarrett Allen wore, like, I don't know, what, like, we, I don't know. It just it looked like a normal outfit to me. It was like a, a hoodie with some buttons and some... Like blue khaki style pants, like blue slacks, and and like some boat shoes. And people were like clowning on him. They were like clowning on him because I, I thought it was so ironic because he didn't look like a clown, like so many of these guys look like all the time. <laughs> For sure, and that's why people were clowning on him. They're like, bro, get some swag. Like, what is this outfit? It's like this looks like a normal outfit to it's me, just like something that a normal person would wear. <laughs> exactly. And sorry, it's not crazy tie dye shirt. Or whatever Russell Westbrook has been wearing. <laughs> oh man, the irony of the fact that they get the NBA instilled a dress code so that uh, so Allen Iverson couldn't wear his headband and and chains around as much anymore, and it just made it so that guys have the most flamboyant and hilarious style. It is fun to to sort of watch those guys as they come and go from games. Is there any other storylines that? that really stick out to you? What, what's your take on the Ben Simmons-James um, Harden trade? Who who won that trade? Everybody. You think so? Every single person involved in that trade won that trade. And really surprising, but th- I'm, I'm glad it happened. I mean, you talk about the 76ers got an, an all-star who has the potential to be one of the best five or ten best players in the league in return for a guy who wasn't playing for them. Like, we can talk about how badly this situation went, Right. In Philadelphia and also in Brooklyn with James Harden. And like how that could have been avoided and maybe that would have worked out better for all parties. By the time we got to the point where the situation was what it was going into the trade deadline, this was the best that they could have done because Ben Simmons wasn't going to play for Philadelphia. Right. It was becoming obvious that James Harden was checked out in Brooklyn and he wasn't and now maybe you say if you get to the playoffs is James Harden really going to loaf through the playoffs when he's playing with Kevin Durant and they've got a chance to make a run at it maybe maybe not but I think he was making it obvious that his his heart and his head wasn't really in it anymore and so you had these two teams that um were sort of backed up against a wall and I think they both did the best that they can and of course for the players if you don't want to be there not only did you get out, but you got out to another team that's still going to be a contender. You didn't have to go to Houston. You didn't have to go to Orlando or Detroit or somewhere. Well, I think James Harden wanted to go back to Houston, but that was for a bunch of reasons that have nothing to do with basketball. Yeah, that was a bunch of like <laughs> off-court reasons. Well, yeah, I mean, he has like a $60 million ranch there, so that helps. Living Kanye style off the grid. But, no, you're right. Everybody does sort of wait in that. A um, couple more for you. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio. 
the Lakers right now are about a game out of the, the eighth spot. They're trailing the Clippers. Meanwhile, LeBron's trying to win the scoring title. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious when LeBron James wins the, wins the scoring title at uh, the ripe old age of, of 37. But where are we at with the Lakers? I, I know that they're not a, a title contender. Although I actually wouldn't put, if I handicapped the entire field, I wouldn't put them nearly as far down as they are right now. Like, they're not like the 17th best team in the NBA. In the playoffs, I think that they could actually make a little bit of a run and maybe wreck the bracket if they can get in. But where are we at with the Lakers? Because I just can't imagine that even with sort of the the failings of this year and and, uh, the failed experiment that has been the Russell Westbrook edition, I still can't see the King not making the playoffs. No, well, of course it helps that, you know, 10 teams are going to make the playoffs, Coulter, this year because the play-in tournament, and that's where they are right now, ninth in the West. It's hard to for, it's hard to forget about the Lakers as much as you want to. This is a team that does not, they don't play pretty basketball. Their pieces don't fit together at all. A large part of that is due to Russell Westbrook, but it's also due to the guys that they sort of yep. jettisoned in order to get Russell Westbrook on the team. Yep. I mean, they've got this undrafted kid from Oklahoma, Austin Reeves, who I had never heard of in college. <laughs> never. He's suddenly like their third or fourth most important player because he can shoot, so that adds a little bit of spacing to them. But you never, ever, ever get to completely forget about the Lakers. I think I've watched more of the Lakers when I come home and flip on the game on TNT or whatever's of course, on yeah. the ESPN game. You see as much of the Lakers as you do of anybody in the league still, so... Man, they're just kind of there. I think they can make a run if they get the right matchup in the in the playoffs. Well, and if they just get healthy. I mean, if Anthony Davis and Avery Bradley come back. I'm out on Anthony Davis right now. Well, I mean, haven't we always been out on Anthony Davis? Has there ever been a more... Well, I, when, he I was, was when he was in New Orleans and they were the eighth seed and they took the Warriors, I mean, they like yeah. beat the Warriors one game in the first round. I was in on Anthony Davis. I, I was thinking about this... That was this, like six years ago, though. I was thinking about this the other night when uh, the NBA All-Star game was happening because it's, it's the NBA's 75th anniversary and they released the 75 greatest players in NBA history. And Anthony Davis was on there. And I thought to myself, huh, that's weird. Does he deserve to be on there? And I thought to myself, well, in, in resume, he absolutely does. And it's it's just wild when you have such prodigious talent and you are so good at such a young age that Anthony Davis, when you look at his career, I think a lot of people would consider him an underachiever. <laughs> Yet he's like multiple-time first-team All-NBA, you know, multiple-time All-Star. He's absolutely one of the 75 greatest players in NBA history. He's got a title. I mean, there have been times where we've been talking about him in that best player in the league conversation. Oh, no sort question. of at the fringes of it, but he was in there. He just can't stay healthy. He can't stay healthy, and he also is just so, what's the right word? He's like so myopic. I don't know why he's like that. I don't know why he's so unengaged sometimes. I don't know. I I, I actually, I had a, a, a an interesting Change of thought, though, the other day. I was listening to a podcast, and I, I feel bad that I can't remember the, the the gentleman who was on with Bill Simmons. I believe he's someone that, that works for a national outlet but that has covered the Houston Rockets for a long time, and he, he was talking about James Harden. And it seemed as if this guy – I was only listening to kind of a snippet of this podcast, but it seemed as if this, this man knew James Harden very well. And – he he said something so interesting. He said, 
the general public that loves the NBA and watches the NBA wants so badly for players like James Harden to care about only one thing. Like, the general public wants everyone to be like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. But like this guy was saying, a lot of people just aren't like that. And and James Harden, he's saying, James Harden just thinks playing basketball is fun. And he wants to play basketball and make money and travel around and put on a show. And he's not really that concerned with his legacy and winning and all this stuff. Like, he certainly wants to win more than lose. But he's not just like, man, If I, Kobe Bryant was like, dude, I am going to win at least five championships before I will die on the court unless I win five titles and get in the conversation with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan would rather die than lose in the NBA Finals. James Harden, I don't think, really cares. And this guy was saying that, and he's like, James would tell you the same thing. So maybe you guys should stop killing him for just, like, his personality type. And I thought it was just actually sort of enlightening, because even if we don't love that about certain athletes, it is sort of a good point. Like, it's hard to really kill James Harden. I mean, he's been averaging, like, 30 points a game for, like, 10 years straight and makes the playoffs every year. So uh, it's it goes back to the... The, I think there's a huge missed analysis in that we call guys that don't win championships, we say they're not winners. That's not true. They're not champions. That's, there's a huge difference. Carmelo Anthony has gone through this his whole career. Carmelo Anthony's absolutely a winner. He's just not a champion. That's the difference. James Harden, same thing. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I mean, with Joel Embiid now, that's the best fit that he's ever had for him in terms of like a sidekick so? running mate. You think so? Yeah, I mean, Chris, I mean, it's Chris, better, Chris it's better Paul. Than, it's better than Ben Simmons, that's for sure. Chris Paul, when he was down in Houston, I mean, Chris Paul's just a great fit for everybody. And so is KD, of course. But, like, first of all, they never played that big three together in right. Brooklyn. Like, I, you know, that's the stat that's been going around. They played all 16 games together for various uh, injury and uh, immunization-related reasons. Right. But uh, there was a little bit of juggling because all those guys like to have the ball. I mean, when you look at Embiid and James Harden, it's just like classic inside-outside, man. Those guys have a million ways to kill you. I love that point that you're making about James Harden. I think that's a thing that stands out more in basketball than any any other right. sport. Right. Not only because... We have these examples of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, like the two most famous players to ever play the game, I think I would say. <laughs> Probably. Le- LeBron is in there. LeBron and Matthew Johnson are there, too. Larry Bird. But, yeah, you're right. They're certainly right up there. I mean, there's guys like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan are so famous, they're like they're beyond just basketball famous. They're world famous, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. There are not a lot of guys in that category. Totally. So they were wired that way, and so that became a very, uh, you know, famous and often followed example and often quoted and preached example. But also because in basketball it's so easy to see what James Harden could be if he was wired that way. James Harden comes out on the court and does 15 or 20 just genius-level things every night. You watch James Harden and you're like, man— this guy is incredible at basketball. What could he be if he was wired the same way that Jordan was, right? And so totally. it's a lot easier to see that sort of individual genius and high ceiling in basketball than it is in a lot of other sports. And so people get disappointed when they're not putting in everything to reach that level. I think that's part of it, too. More NBA talk coming later on throughout the week and throughout the rest of the season as well. It's Nuan is now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. More Big Sky Doc Fest right for this. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. 
If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. The roller coaster ride continues for the Montana Lady Grizz. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. What could and likely is the final makeup game of the season for Montana, UM played Idaho for the second time in four games on Monday in Moscow. Thursday, UM beat UI 76-73 in a game that included 21 lead changes and 14 ties. Monday, the Lady Grizz built its lead to as many as 14 points late in the third quarter, only to let it slip away. Idaho rallied all the way back, led by Beyonce B's 24-point outburst to post a 70-69 win over Montana, fight 20 points from Carmen G. Feller, 16 points from Abby Anderson, 14 points from Sophia Stiles. The month of February has been tumultuous for Montana. Stiles hit a buzzer beater to beat Weber State a few weeks ago, starting a wild stretch that also included a loss to defending Big Sky champion Idaho State at home, beating upstart Southern Utah in Cedar City in a Monday makeup game, losing on another buzzer beater at Northern Arizona, losing to rebuilding Eastern Washington in another Monday makeup game, beating Idaho and Portland State over the weekend, and falling on the third straight Monday to the Vandals. UM now sits at 9-7 in league play, while Idaho is 7-8. The Montana State women started their four-game road trip to end the regular season in Portland Monday. The Bobcats moved to 13-4 and, and into a tie for first place. Idaho State with an 82-57 win over Portland State. The Vikings are 0-15 in Big Sky play. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. What up, Montana? Welcome in. Nuana's now ESPN Radio. Thanks so much for kicking it with us here on a Tuesday. Hope you're staying warm out there. Like one of my old ball coaches used to say, no such thing as bad weather, just dumb people that don't wear the right clothes. If you're going to go out in Missoula, go see some films. Our Big Sky Documentary Film Festival interview series rolls on here on ESPN Radio. It's my favorite time of year in Missoula. I know that's crazy to say. I love football season. I love all that. But I love when the Doc Fest is rolling because you get to meet so many interesting people from all over the place. And some of these films are so awesome. I'm very excited to go check out the one that will debut tomorrow night, 5.30 at the Wilma. It's called Out of the Muck. And right now, I'm joined in studio by Bowen Suchak. Suchak, is that what I'm saying right? Bowen Suchak and Ira McKinley. Guys, what's up? Thanks so much for being here. Let's first of all just start with the broad premise of this film. It's uh, a film all about football. So that should be uh, it should be a big hit here in Montana because as I'm sure you guys have learned pretty rapidly being in Missoula, Football is the biggest ticket in town here. Uh, the college teams of Montana are like pro teams everywhere else because we don't have any pro teams, so people love football. But we'll start with you, Ira. Just, just take us through sort of the origin of this film. What gave you guys the idea to do it, and uh, what are some of just sort of the broad details of, of what Out of the Muck is all about? So me and Bowen um, came into um, working on this film uh, when we did our first film, The Throwaways, and 
we were talking at, at NYU with Sam Pollard. And Sam Pollard is known for working with Spike Lee on Juice, Bamboozled, uh, Katrina Four Parts. You know, he's done so much. Um, he's a producer. He's our executive producer on this film. So we were lucky to get him to help mentor us through this. The film is about me going back um, after 35 years of not being to my family's hometown, to the place where my mother and father met, and then they moved us up to New York. And the place is known for producing NFL players. Right. So since 1985, there's been, I, I would say, at least 90 players that came from this area. Unbelievable. From Ancron Bolden to Super Bowl MVP Santonio Holmes, Hall of Famer Ricky Jackson. You have Janoris Jenkins playing now. You have uh, McPhee, Pernell McPhee. You have um, Travis Benjamin that just played for San Francisco. There's just so much talent that has come out of there. Um, Fred Taylor, Jaguars, Calvin Benjamin. Um, you know, there's just so much talent. And we, we actually filmed how these how they train, and they train different. Like, you guys might train, like, um, chasing goats and sheep around here. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Yes. We train by, they train by chasing rabbits out of the sugar cane field. Wow, okay. So when they go to cut the sugar cane, and it's a way to supplement their families with food and meat. So the, the rabbits are sweet because they're eating sugar cane, and you know how rabbits multiply, so... The big sugar companies like these people coming catching these rabbits because they're like they're like rodents. Sure, you know what I'm saying. So and you know how they multiply. So it, it's one it's one um, corporation helping another. So the young kids are they're providing meat and money because they sell the rabbits for what eight to ten dollars. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so they, they go down to Miami. And you got to know this is South Florida. So you got West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. And there's so much talent. So you have, what's his name from that came from Boynton Beach? Lamar Jackson. Sure. All these players come from this area. So our, our, our film is just showing the history. Right. And the history has been a lot of things. So they had a hurricane in 1928 that killed 3,000 people. Then you had the Harvest of Shame, which Edward R. Murrow did, that showed how the migration went. And mm -hmm. my family were migrant workers, so that's how we came to New York. Interesting. Because they wanted us to have a better education back in the 60s and 70s. So we moved out of that Jim Crow area mm -hmm. to a better place where they could get education. And um, I actually had to have Bowen help me because he's the technical director. Mm -hmm. He's the one when you see the shots and all that, him and his people that he worked with came down to coordinate that. So he's like the director of photography, he's the editor. He, um, he, 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 he does so much. I'm just a storyteller. Right. You know, I have some skills but the man with the skills is is Bowen. So well, Bowen, how how did you then first uh, get connected to this story? Then, yeah, I mean, you know, this is as Ira mentioned, the second film that Ira and I have um, co-directed and co-produced together. We did a film in 2014 that we released called The Throwaways, which we took to festivals around the country and you know colleges and universities. And you know, the 
it was interesting. We were actually done with the throwaways, and we were. I, I remember actually, we were coming back from a Martin Luther King Day um, presentation in um, in Syracuse. And Iris said, I got, know, I got the next film, you know, and I'll be honest with you, and people might not know who are out there, it takes a lot of work to make a documentary, especially Oh, an unbelievable amount of work. I mean, it, it's, it's way more complex than doing like a narrative film because you don't have a script. For so sure. You really, you know, you have to film and then you have to really kind of like piece the story together a lot of times in the edit um, based off of some of the ideas that you went out and actually executed in production. And so Iris and I, you know, we're driving and Iris says, I got another idea for, for the next film. And I'm, in my head, I was just like, oh man, I'm so tired and burnt out from this one but when he pitched it to me and told me this idea about his hometown where his family was from and all these NFL football players and tying in the history and weaving all that you know together into a story it kind of had this real epic you know kind of feel to it and I, and I was intrigued you know and so him and I talked about it for a while like he said pitch it to Sam Pollard who's our executive producer and then you know the interesting thing is Ira and I went down to Florida in 2015 for what was called the Muck Bowl, which is the big rivalry game between Belglade and Pahokee, these two okay. towns that produce yeah. all these players. And we started filming a little bit and getting to meet some of the folks, and then that's when Ira had reconnected with his niece and nephew, Bridget and Alvin, who are the two main characters in the film, and really started to understand that this is a community that's really unique and special, and that football isn't just necessarily about the sport, and the game only. It's about the culture and how it brings a community together. And his family's been there for seven generations. You know, so right. we wanted to tell this story about his family who have come back. Some of them, you know, you got his some of his uh, his, his uh, nieces and or some of his nephews are you know gone D one and came back and wanted to help out the community. And so we basically you know sat down and mapped out the idea. And honestly, we took you know we went from 2016. Till about 2019, filming this this project, followed a whole season, went back a whole bunch of different times. Ira lived down there for three years, and then one of the interesting things that ties to Big Sky is we met one of our producers, Tracy Rector, mm -hmm. at Big Sky in 2016 when I was here with my daughter's film. She had a short documentary oh, at cool. Big Sky, and I met Tracy, and we had just started the project, and we didn't have a producer. We had Sam who was interested, and he was supporting it, but he, we didn't have any producers yet, and so Tracy jumped on, and that's when, to me, like we kind of been able to start piecing together a team, and then we got support from ITVS, which is you know the, the only publicly funded you know uh, documentary entity, and so now our film is going to be broadcast on, on, on national television, and so you know we're going to be making some announcements about that but that'll be in 2023 so this is to me this is the end of a big journey for us is a big moment for us because you know we've been working on this film for almost seven years the pandemic disrupted it for two years right you know i wasn't supposed to edit it like i was said you know it was, but i had to because we had editors lined up who then had to drop out because of covid so it became this real you know, labor of love, to be honest with you. And and honestly, like his story, Ira's, like you said, he's an incredible storyteller. And it's about how do we take a story that is in your head that's really this big story with so many aspects mm -hmm, to it and mm -hmm. bring it into a film. And here we are, you know, like I said, seven years later. So, you know, people that are out there, you know, this is this is a story that we believe is, is something that's never been told before about a community and, 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 and people that have never really had their stories told on a, on a scale like this. Big Sky Documentary Film Festival interview series here on ESPN Radio. The film, Out of the Muck. The directors, Bob and Sukach, as well as Ira McKinley, in studio with me here on ESPN Radio. Talking about this documentary all about Pahokee, Florida. And NFL players that come out of it. And people, this is our world premiere. So very cool. It. This is the world premiere, yeah. This is the first time it's being shown. It's being shown to you. And we felt like, um, basically... 
you know, let's try it out in 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 in, in a test place where yeah. It's big on football, but they may not see this side. It's a different right, culture. Right. Where the way you guys play and the way you practice is different. Totally. The way that they do it down in South Florida. Well, that's something I'm so interested in is that dynamic, right? Because you mentioned the, the fact that your family, a lot of it came from migrant workers, sharecroppers, things like that. And then there's also the element of this community getting impacted by Natural disasters frequently, right? Yeah. So it seems as if football is sort of this tie that binds, right? The thing that brings yes. people together. Yes. It's very similar to Montana in a completely different way, right? Like here, it's the cold weather, the isolation, all that, but also it's sort of our coming-of-age ceremony for young men, right? Yes. And I think that that's what makes football so so powerful across cultures, yes. right? But, I mean, it seems like that's a huge influence, right? Yeah. Sort of the, it's, the, a team, it's a team sport right now. You, uh, um, what are the players here? Is um, um, Montana University? University of Montana and Montana State University. Okay. Yep. So um, you guys want to challenge these South Florida boys to see if you guys can, <laughs> you know, see if you guys can, y'all, you know, step up? Because yo, I'm gonna tell you, there was this team, and we when we filmed, we filmed, uh, and my nephew was the defensive coordinator, and they were a high school team. So the the, the films, the stuff that you're seeing mm-hmm. is all high school. But you'll see how the community comes together, and they packed. And it was an undefeated season. So they went 17 and, what was it, like 12-0 and 0 or something like that? I think it was 14-0. 14-0. Yeah. You know, and so they went to the state championship. They won it. We followed that whole season. And... You know, just to see the support. Yeah. And it's a small town like this, mm-hmm. and everybody supports the team. So that's the big thing. It's like Friday Night Lights. Right. You know what I'm saying? So everybody comes dressed up. I mean, it's like a fashion show when you see, like, you're like, oh, so you, you know, dressed up and dialed up just to come to the game. You know what I'm saying? But that's why the community comes together. Yeah, and, you know, I'll just add that, you know, there was a game that, that we filmed, the first game of the season. They called it the Battle of the Champions, and it was basically a, a state championship team from New, uh, New Jersey. Uh-huh. Came down to Pahokee, and it was essentially a challenge. Everybody had all the money on the New Jersey team because the year before, and they had a lot of returning seniors, the year before they won the state championship, played in the Meadowlands and everything. Mm-hmm. And so they were coming down, trash talking on social oh, media man. about exactly. Pahokee, all these kids, these, <laughs> these country boys and all this. Yeah, yeah. And you should have seen, I mean, we, it, was, it was actually our first game filming. Yes. So I was even exhausted because you're talking about 90 degree temperatures. It's yes. September in Next. Florida. Now, you know, oh my God, the humidity. Yes. So guys are passing out on the field. New you know, Jersey the New Jersey guys. guys and you know, the Hokie kids, <laughs> right, right. kids are laughing at him. You know, yeah, and they ended up blowing them out. And that yeah. was the beginning of that season. Hydrate. But the thing that was so crazy <laughs> is it's so big that. At that game, actually, that first game, you had ESPN there. You have networks. SB Nation. SB Nation, because on both sides of the field, on both sides of the, you know, you got guys who are going Division I. So this is like kind of like everyone gets to scout, you know, some of the top players in the country in these games. And I think that's the kind of thing that's really interesting about this community is it's a very small town, about 7,000. But they say that from this region... The most per capita of any region in the country. Right. They produce NFL football players. And and what's happening now that, you know, if you want to talk about this a little bit, is some of these players are coming back to the community sure. to invest and to build up the community after they've gone out and been successful. So sort of revitalizing the exactly. tradition, right? Exactly. So we want, we want to because uh, Pahokee looks like a third world country. I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie about it. And yeah. U.S. Sugar is the biggest 
you know, corporation there. Totally. A billion dollar industry. Yes. But you have million dollar NFL players that want to come back and build. Right. So we want to use this film to, you know, support with them. So we're working with some of these players. We're in we're in um we're trying to coordinate with them, and they have what is it called, Muck City, uh, City Project, Muck City Project, where they're trying to the Belglade area, and the Pahokee area, the Clewiston, and they're trying to build the backup without using corporation money or government money. So we wanted to become self-sustaining and have resources. You know, Bowen has a youth effect, so Bowen teaches youth how to film. From 14 to 24. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he wants to bring that project there. So we're, we're saying let's give them resources to grow. Yeah. You know, because there's nothing there. You know, let's give them resources to grow, but let's, let's let it come from the people. To have the, let them have self-pride. So that's the goal of the film. To show you the history and to show you the cause and effect, but also come up with the solution. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna give y'all a shout out again. The University of Mon- Montana. If you guys wanna, um, <laughs> we gonna arrange it. I don't think anybody wants to uh, mess around with any Florida guys. I, I think we need to have more like a Texas versus Florida Bowl because that's what I've always heard is it's Texas versus Florida, right? Where all the high school football players come. Well, guys, I wish we had more time, but this has been great. Thank you so much for swinging by. Again, the film is Out of the Muck, which raids into the uh, the rich soil of Pahokee, Florida, a rural town. In Florida, and uh, one of the great producers per capita of any place in America and in the world of NFL talent. You can go check out this film, 5.30 tomorrow evening at the Roxy. Excuse me, at the Wilma. Uh, 5.30 again tomorrow at the Wilma. You can also stream it on the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival website as well. Guys, this was great. Thanks so much for yeah, coming well, in. Before you leave, I just want to say, if you guys want to do like a research on it, go to YouTube and look up SB Nation Muck City. Very good. Okay. And, and that, that will show you, but it's a different story from what we're doing. Very much. Very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. Right, Thank you. You can go check that out tomorrow, and there's all sorts of other great films rolling as well. So go get yourself that all-access pass. Go see some documentaries this week. This next movement. <laughs> Gotta love it. You want us now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Take you home here on a Tuesday back after this. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Into the realm, you bound to get caught. From this worldly life, you'll soon depart. Step into the realm, you bound to get caught. From this worldly life, you'll soon depart. Step into the realm, you bound to get caught. From this what up, Montana? Happy Tuesday. Thanks so much for kicking it with us here on your Tuesday. We're up against it. Don't have much time. If you missed anything in today's show, you can find 
all of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as The Advocates. You can also find all of our Big Sky Documentary Film Festival interviews on a separate podcast feed. Just search Big Sky Documentary Film Festival or Big Sky Doc Fest, various podcast hosting apps, and they'll be all, all over that as well. Tomorrow, back at it, our 10th anniversary of ESPN Radio here in Missoula continues. But we won't have an interview subject on that note. We're just going to give you 10 wings every 10 minutes for the duration of the show. So stay tuned for that. Former voice of the Bobcats, Dean Alexander, will join us, as will voice of the Grizz, Riley Corcoran, and Alex Eshelman from SWX Montana Television. Meet you back here tomorrow, 4 p.m. Nuanas now. The advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.